Hi there, I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 116. And today I want to talk about passions and interests. Also, I will get on to the topic of exercise and planning. Yes, I've got a few things to share with you, some things that have been happening around here in the last few weeks. You might remember that I've been working on my unschooling book. I posted a blog post every day during November, little bits and pieces, thoughts that I was having about my book. That was quite a challenge. There were quite a few points in November where I wondered whether I could keep the challenge going. I was tempted to give up. There were days when I was very tired or we were busy and I came home in the afternoon and the last thing that I wanted to do was to sit down and write a blog post. But I did it. I wrote 30 posts in 30 days. I haven't done anything like that for a long time. So how's the book going? Well, I think that I still have a lot of work to do. I mustn't lose my motivation. Posting every day made me work on the book. And then all the comments that people left me, they were also very encouraging. Made me want to get on and write some more. But now that I'm not writing book posts anymore, and people aren't visiting my blog and commenting on those posts, leaving me encouraging comments, yes, there is a temptation to let things slip. I'll have a few days off and then I'll get back to it. I'll have a few days off and, oh look, it's nearly Christmas and I've got my shopping to do and all my gifts to wrap. Yes, it's very easy to make excuses and to put off doing things, even things that are important, things that we want to do. And this has led me to the thought of planning. Planning and unschooling, they're two words that don't go together in the same sentence very well. And I wonder, why is that? Why do we run away from the word planning? Yes, we run away from the word structured learning. That's quite okay. But planning, planning is something that adults do. It's part of the adult world, part of the adult learning world as well. Why shouldn't we plan our unschooling? Now, I'm not talking about me making big plans for my children and they have to come along and fulfill those plans. But if any of us are going to do anything worthwhile, we have to make the most of the hours we have each day. And that doesn't mean that we have to plan every single minute of every single day and miss out on all the wonderful opportunities of sitting around and chatting and just living in the moment, doing the things that the rest of the world is just too busy to do. They rush on by and they miss so many of the pleasures and joys that we unschoolers have. Yes, we are very fortunate. But unschoolers have projects have things we're working on. We all have goals that we want to fulfill. And those goals will never be fulfilled if we don't make good use of our time. It's very easy to let things slip. All my girls are working on big projects. Imogen has her music videos that she releases on a particular day every month. That means that we have to go out there and record that music video on a particular day every month. And then there's the behind the scenes and then there's all the posting on social media. 
And on top of that, she's editing a book, which she has given herself a deadline to finish. And that is, I think, either January or February of next year. Yes, she's going to publish that novel that she's been working on for quite some time. The other girls have novels they've been working on as well. Three times a year they write new novels during NaNoWriMo and Camp NaNoWriMo. Sophie has so many goals as well. She's my photographer, videographer. She's also going to work. And she has discovered that since she's working three days a week, she has to be very careful with her free time. So easy to come home, fling her things down, just sit and relax and say, hey, I'm tired. And then she never gets anything else done. And then she feels bad because she hasn't kept up with her exercise or she hasn't done something for herself, like take a few photos. And of course, she has things that she is committed to do for Imogen, all the videos and some of the photos as well. And then there's me and my books and my blog and just general family things. Everybody has things that we're working on. And I'm sure that we could work on them a lot faster. We could make more of our time. If only we thought more about what we're going to do each day. Now, I'm not out to make big plans for my children, as I said. My planning is all centered around myself. And I'm hoping that by sharing some of the things that I um, are picking up while I'm researching, planning and thinking about it, I'm hoping that you know, these things will enter my conversation and that I can discuss them with my girls. Already we discuss how we can best organize our weeks. We sit around and discuss about who's doing what and when it needs to be done. And I've had a few chats with Sophie about work and obtaining balance in her life. Listening to her and her needs, what she is frustrated with, making a few suggestions which I think that she is open to listening to. The general attitude towards time. Yes, we don't want to waste time, but we don't want to over-schedule it as well. Take time out to enjoy all the pleasures of life, but at the same time, we need to work. So I can see my girls making plans. Sometimes in the morning I'll say, what are you working on today? And they'll tell me about their plans for the day. They're not my plans, they're their plans. But my own plans. Oh my, I have been so woeful. When I think of planning, I think of being bored. Why do I want to schedule my day? Isn't it better just to drift through my day and take what comes? And I think that is the view a lot of people have of unschooling, that we just get up in the morning, late of course, because of course we've stayed up very late, and then we just get our coffee, our breakfast, sit around in our pajamas, just drift through the day not getting much accomplished at all. Maybe we'll go and play a computer game at some point in the day in our pyjamas. Um, but yes, not much gets done. Well, that's not tr a true picture at all. Oh yeah, a lot of unschoolers do stay up late at night and they do get up late in the morning. But I'm sure between getting up and going to bed, they have accomplished a lot. A lot of things that they are interested in and want to do and I think that unschoolers in general are good at making plans for themselves, getting things done. And their motivation, I think, comes from within. They are interested in what they are doing. It's important to them. It's valuable work. And they want to do it. But back to me. 
What have I been doing? Well, for 12 days, I haven't written a single book post. I haven't even been working on my unschooling book because, as I said, I've been telling myself I need a break. I need to do my shopping, get all my Christmas presents wrapped, even though Jim Rose has helped me wrap most of them. That's not really an excuse. But it's this time of year. It's Christmas. It's summer. It's warm. I feel like sitting around and doing nothing much at all, just being lazy. And I can tell myself, I'm tired, which is probably quite true because I don't sleep very well. But also, working is energizing. Sitting around all day doing nothing much at all doesn't leave me with a very satisfied feeling by the end of the day. You might realize that this podcast is a little bit late. I have a good excuse. Because I was going to record it yesterday, but then I got researching, planning, thinking about the new year and what I want to achieve in 2018. What do I want to get done? Are my books important? Do I want to do something completely different? What about my blog? Am I going to continue with my unschooling blog? Do I have other ideas? What do I want to do with my kids and my husband? Do we want to go on a holiday? Will we need to plan it out so that we can afford it? All sorts of things, all sorts of questions that I'm pondering as the last few days of this year disappear. My girls have all been buying planners. You know those planners that have a section for each day and one for the month and one for the year and they're full of inspirational quotes that get you moving? Well, I guess that's the idea. Quotes about work and dreams and achieving things. And then the planners are nice and colourful so that they are attractive and that we want to use them. Yes, my girls are planning. They want to use their planners. But what about me? Well, I do have a planner and I'm using it. But I had another idea the other day because sometimes it's not convenient to carry my planner around with me. Could I plan using Evernote? So I did a lot of Googling yesterday and a lot of playing around. I did a lot of experimenting. And I wondered whether it's possible to make an attractive planner with Evernote. Could I have a daily plan and a weekly one and a monthly one and a yearly one, a to-do list? Maybe I could have some fitness goals and a section for recipes or a section for meal planning. All the things that we need to think about and plan out if our lives are going to run smoothly. If we are going to achieve something within the year. And by yesterday evening, I came to the conclusion that I could make a very attractive planner using Evernote. It's not very difficult to use the tables function to make these planners. One for the daily plan, one for the monthly one, one for the yearly plan, and then to-do lists and all kinds of other plans that could all be put together in one notebook to make up a big planner for 2018. I can use images. I can make my plans any color that I like. I could insert photos, audio files. I could use my plans as a diary or a journal, record thoughts, record ideas, blog post ideas maybe. Yes, my head was buzzing with ideas by the time I went to bed last night. And I'm thinking about exploring this more. 
I was even thinking about making some templates that I could offer other people. You might use Evernote, you might be able to make some plans of your own, but maybe you'd also be interested in the quick option, and that is downloading the ones that I have already created. I know a lot of people have downloaded the coloured backgrounds that I made or some months ago. Yes, coloured background notes for Evernote that we can use as backgrounds for photos or diaries, journal entries or anything. I have 50 of those in a blog post on my blog if you're interested. If you haven't heard about these before, I shall put a link in the show notes. Lots and lots of different colours. And this is what I'm thinking, maybe I could make a few planners, a few planning templates and offer them for download as well. And this reminded me that I sort of stopped my Evernote series. You know the one that I was writing about uh, journals and homeschool records, personal journals, family journals, how to create Evernote notebooks for all those. Yes, I wrote a certain number of blog posts and made some videos, and I did cover all the basics. But I had other ideas, and I'm wondering whether this idea would fit in with that series, and whether I should go back and continue the series. Yes, make some more blog posts, offer some downloads, maybe even make a couple of new videos. One thing I don't have is a shortage of ideas, but yes, time. But maybe I have more time than I realize because I'm wasting it. And this is what I'm hoping to discover by tracking my day, by planning out my week a bit better, looking for blocks of time to work on such things as my book. I don't think I'm going to plan minute by minute or even hour by hour, but blocks of time. Block in a section of each day for working on my writing, um, a section for exercising, that type of thing. At the weekends, a block of time that I can spend with my husband, maybe go places, make a list of things we can do together. Because sometimes we look at each other and we say, let's go for coffee. And we do go for coffee, but I think perhaps we could do more than just go for coffee if we had a few more ideas ready. And with the holidays appearing, my husband finishes work in, oh, I think five more days, five more working days, and then he's finished for the long summer holidays. He'll be off uh, work, off school for six weeks. And that's a wonderful opportunity to spend time with him and also with the girls. Maybe go on a few outings, but things don't get done unless we think about them first and then make some plans. As I said, making plans isn't wrong. Doing things on the spur of the moment is fun, but some things do need planning. You've got to make sure that everybody who wants to come along on an outing can come on a particular day. It's no good getting up in the morning and saying, hey, let's go to Sydney today. And then someone says, well, actually, I have an assignment you for uni today. I can't come. Or Sophie says, I need a lift to work today. And then you think, oh, this is not going to work. We better plan it a bit better. Yes, plans make life run more smoothly. And I think we do get more out of life. When we do make a few loose plans, and I'm not saying we have to plan everything, and plans can change, plans have to be flexible, and we don't make plans for other people, we allow them to do that for themselves. But getting our lives in balance, making sure that we do make time for all the things that are important to us, 
within the week. This reminds me of a blog post I wrote during November. One of the book posts, I was thinking about the topic of balance and unschooling. Should unschooled children lead balanced lives? It's a criticism of unschooling, I think, or a worry maybe, that unschooling children perhaps don't live a balanced life. As I was writing down my thoughts for this blog post, it occurred to me that there are two different sorts of balance. Balance as in terms of school subjects. Do we worry that our kids are doing too much creative arts, for example, or not enough maths, or they're on a roll with science, but you haven't got any notes in your book for geography or history. Is that wrong? Or should we encourage our kids to cover all the basics every single day, do it in a balanced way. Well, I don't think that we should make our kids lead a balanced life in those terms. They should just follow their interests and passions. And I have found over time, my kids go off and do one particular topic for a long time. And then all of a sudden they feel satisfied. Then they're off on another thing. And over a period of time, maybe a term or two, It all balances out quite naturally. And if it doesn't, if I find that I have no maths notes, for example, I might do a bit of strewing, see if I can capture their interest. But as far as day-to-day, week-to-week, even term-to-term, I don't worry about that. I did write a blog post once. It was quite a fun blog post about sausages. But, I mean, I was talking about how... Sometimes we get into a particular pattern with our eating and our favorite meal for a long time was sausages. We found a butcher that sold gourmet sausages and we wanted to try every single flavor. So for week after week after week on Saturday evening, we had sausages for dinner. And then one day, our sausage phase was over. We all of a sudden decided that we fancied pizza And we made homemade pizza for week after week after week after week on a Saturday evening until that phase was over. And I compared this to unschooling, how sometimes we have a streak where we're very interested in something like Shakespeare. We watch play after play after play and sometimes the same play in different versions multiple times. And then that phase is over. And then we might discover something like the Wartime Farm series or the Edwardian Farm series, which we have on our shelves. Someone might say, hey, we haven't watched this for a while. Shall we put this DVD into the player? Shall we gather? Shall we watch this? And all of a sudden, we're into history and geography as we go back in time watching these series. But back to balance. There is one aspect of balance that I was concerned about with our children, more especially with myself. I think that I am happier when I lead a balanced life in the way that I have to exercise, I have to dedicate some time to prayer and spirituality. I have to have recreation time, creative times, writing times, family times, times with my husband. And then there's all the housework times, those sort of things. I've got to put all that into my day, my into my week. They all have to be balanced. Otherwise, I feel unsettled. I feel there's something wrong. I don't get the most out of my week. Everything works together. If I don't exercise, my work doesn't go so well. 
If I spend too much time watching movies and reading books and I don't do any work, that doesn't feel satisfying either. Yes, we need to live balanced lives and be good examples of that for our children. So we're back to planning again. I'm planning my year, well I will be, sitting down with my Evernote notebooks and my bigger paper planner and making some notes, making some plans for 2018. What will I do in the year? It's quite exciting. A whole new year ahead of us. What shall I do? I guess while I'm planning, I will discover what is most important to me, make a few priorities, because of course we can't do everything. I heard a good quote the other day. Actually, I heard it twice within two days. So maybe it's a quote that's going around at the moment. It's appropriate for this time of year. It goes something like this. We might be able to do anything that we want, but we won't be able to do everything. Because of course, our lives are finite. We only have so many hours a day, and even with careful planning, we will never achieve everything. So we do have to make some priorities. Well, the time is going by really, really fast, and I haven't even got on to the topic that I want to talk about today, and that is passions and interests. And I've been thinking about this because two of my girls, Sophie, who is 16, and Gemma Rose, who is 13, they ran in their first 5K race, or maybe five or so weeks ago. You might know that we are runners, except for my husband. He has stopped running, but I'm hoping to get him outside again during the school holidays. Yes, wake him up as I go out the door at six o'clock and say, hey, would you like to come for a run with me? Or maybe I won't do that. Maybe I'll just say, would you like to walk the dark and then go for a run myself? That might be a better way of getting him outside. So beautiful in the mornings at the moment here in Australia. It is, I think, the second week of summer. And we've had some quite hot days recently, just this last week or so. But the mornings have been beautiful. Cool out, sun coming up, and going down to the bush for a run is really nice. Yeah, I've been enjoying it. I mean, the thought of getting out of bed hasn't been so good. But once I'm down there, I have been really glad that I have made the effort. But anyway, running. We went to the city, or maybe a couple of months ago, to buy new running shoes for Sophie. And while we were in the shoe shop, I saw a notice on the wall advertising a 5 and a 10k fun run. And I said to the girls, hey, would you like to enter that race? And I fully expected Sophie to say, hey, yes, I'd love to do that, mom. And I expected Gemma Rose to say, no, thank you. Because we have been suggesting to Gemma Rose that she race for a long time. Running is her thing. She spends hours running every week. All over the winter, she was on the treadmill five days a week, running eight to ten k's each time. She runs a lot further than anybody else. But every time we have said to her, hey, Jimmerez, you're good at running. Perhaps you ought to race. She hasn't looked very interested, which makes me think that sometimes we They feel that our children have an interest or they're good at something. They have a talent for something in particular and we should push them to use that talent. Why waste that talent? And I think everybody does have to use their talents. They have been given to us for a particular reason. Maybe our mission in life is wrapped up in our talents. We should use those talents not only for ourselves, 
but for other people. And so maybe we see our kids with a talent and we feel like pushing them. You should use that talent. You're wasting it. But I have discovered that doesn't work. All it does is put our kids off. They have to decide for themselves when and if they want to use their talents. Maybe it is sometimes just the wrong timing. And I think this is what happened with Gemma Rose. Because as soon as she heard about the race, she didn't hesitate. Yes, she wanted to run. So I signed up the girls for this race. And then one Sunday morning, about five weeks ago, we all headed to the city for this fun run. A 5K and a 10K course that went around a university and the TAFE next door. It was along paths and there were a couple of hilly sections, but nothing like the runs we do. We're always running up and down hills with loose stones under our feet. Twists and turns, we have to be careful about not falling over. So this run, in comparison, was relatively easy, even though the hilly section, yeah, did take a lot of effort to get up the hill. I think the hill was an obstacle for a lot of the competitors. Andy and I were spectators, and two of our older girls, Imogen and Charlotte, they came along to support the younger girls. And both girls did very, very well. Gemma Rose ran a personal best. She actually came forth in her age group. And out of about 480 competitors, she was the 53rd female past the finish line, which is pretty good for a 13-year-old. The results weren't really the most important part, though Gemma Rose and Sophie have been spurred on by their success, and now they're looking forward to another race um, in the autumn. Gemma Rose has already started training, but next time she's going to do the 10k run. She can run the distance already. And her time, we looked at the results for her age group for the 10k race, and with her time we slotted it in, and we found out that she would have come second in that race because she has a good 10k time. So maybe the longer distance suits her better. She can do the 5k, but she has enormous stamina. Where other people give up, she keeps on going. And because of this, in the end, she wins out. But talking about achievements, parents can take enormous joy in seeing their kids achieve. And it's not just, hey, look at my child, she's so talented. Look where she came in this race. My child is better than your child. I mean, that's irrelevant. Maybe we're all tempted to do that at particular stages of our parenting. But I have discovered something much, much better. And that is taking pleasure in seeing our kids come alive when they are wrapped up in their passions and interests. And it doesn't matter whether they're running a race or singing at a concert, drawing or playing a computer game or whatever they're interested in, putting together some kind of project, working with other people, helping somebody out, whatever it is that they are passionate and interested in. When our kids do this, when they are allowed to go along that pathway and to spend time doing what is important and valuable to them, they come alive. Now, I really, really noticed this when I was watching Gemma Rose run. And afterwards, immediately afterwards, when she came across that finish line, with a big grin on her face, looked at her time. Yes, that time wasn't 
important as far as beating other people. It was important to her, though. She did her best. She ran the best time that she's ever run for a 5K race. Well, 5K run. And she was so happy. You know, she was doing something she really enjoyed. And I saw another layer of Gemma Rose. When we do things that we are good at, that we have a talent for, that we are passionately interested in, it gives us confidence. It gives us a feeling of joy. It just sort of overflows from us. It makes us happy. And I saw that with Gemma Rose when she was running. She was in her element. And of course, as I said, she wants to go and do that all over again. Shouldn't we allow our kids to be happy, to experience that joy, to be fully who they are? Because interests and passions, I think, are part of who we are. As I said, they help us fulfill our mission in life. If we don't let our kids spend time doing what they enjoy, following their interests, do we subdue part of who they are? Are they not fully alive? Well, these were thoughts I was thinking on the way home from this race. I put a few of these thoughts into a blog post for my book challenge, my book blogging challenge. So I'll leave a link in case you would like to go over there and read what I wrote. I think it was the day after the race. Could have even been that afternoon when those thoughts were fresh in my mind. As I said in the post, I saw that Gemma Rose was really, really joyful, really happy, and that overflowed into me because I think that we take joy in our kids, that their joy becomes our joy. Their happiness becomes our happiness. Some people would say that being happy isn't what we should focus upon. Life is tough, and our kids have to learn that. It's a lesson. We can't always arrange circumstances for them so that they experience happiness all the time. Do we think deep down that nobody really deserves to be happy? That we have to work for happiness? Well, Gemma Rose certainly worked for her happiness. And I think anybody that is involved with their passions and interests, even though they enjoy doing them, even though they are happy and it gives them joy, it doesn't mean they're not working hard. We work very hard on things that we are interested in. So back to happiness. Do we deserve to be happy? Well, I've spoken about this in previous podcasts. I think life is not all happiness. Life can be very, very difficult at times. But I don't think that we ought to invite unhappiness into our lives. We should invite joy in. Make the most of every moment because there will be times when that joy will disappear and we will have to endure suffering, endure sorrow, endure whatever, endure very difficult times. And the memory of the joy that we have experienced will give us hope. The joy also bonds us together as a family. We go through the happy times together. We also go through the more difficult times. So yes, let's Make sure that our kids are happy. Let them follow their passions and interests. Don't worry about balance because it all works out in the end. My daughter Imogen is following her passion. You probably know this. She has a YouTube channel and she records music videos. Also, she occasionally does a live concert with the choirs that she belongs to. 
And last Sunday night, she and my husband Andy sang in a Christmas concert in a local town. And Sophie and I were in the audience. Sophie took along her video camera and recorded part of the concert. And I just sat back and enjoyed. Again, it was one of those times when I could see that my daughter was fully alive, that she was enjoying what she's good at. Her joy overflowed into me. And I sat back and I thought, she has a talent. How many times do we not want to admit that? We don't want to look like we're boasting. Maybe we don't want to pass on that feeling to our kids as well. We don't want to make them feel that they are better than everybody else. But really, if we were watching anybody in a concert and they had a talent and it was giving us pleasure, wouldn't we go up to them and say, hey, you did a good job. I really enjoyed your performance tonight. You have talent. With our children, maybe we are more hesitant, but I don't think that should stop us. Some people are very hesitant about giving feedback to their kids, about giving them praise. I think the right sort of praise is very good. Of course, we don't tell our kids that they are good at something when they're not. And I like to phrase my praise in a certain way. You sang very well tonight. You must have given a lot of pleasure to everybody in the audience. Imogen once said to me that she listens to my opinion when she's looking for feedback. If her own family aren't giving her positive feedback, then why should anybody else? It's our role to encourage her, to tell her what she's doing well, and even to make some suggestions on how she can improve. But of course, you've got to do that in the right way. We are very good at encouraging each other and making critical suggestions in a friendly and open and acceptable way. So what's ahead for Imogen in the new year? Well, Sophie has a new piece of camera equipment. She bought herself a gimbal maybe two weeks ago. Sophie had already bought herself a new camera, which she's been using in her hand. Gives her a lot more flexibility with her filming. She can walk around and move forward and backwards. Give different screen views of Imogen as she's singing. But the one problem with handheld cameras is that sometimes the image isn't very stable. And Sophie has been compensating for this in the editing process. But she no longer has to do that because she has bought herself a gimbal. And this is a kind of rig. She puts a camera into this rig and then she holds onto it. It's got a handle and the camera floats. It's really quite fascinating watching it. It doesn't matter where you move the gimbal. The camera just floats around and the picture is stable. And this is opening up even more possibilities. The other thing we've been talking about is green screening. Can we film with a green screen? It's really quite fascinating. Following an interest, there doesn't seem to be an end of things that we can learn about photography and videography and even music. Because Imogen's singing teacher has taught her that she'll need a new teacher if she wants to progress any further. Her old teacher has taught her everything she can. So this is a new stage. Will Imogen go on? She'll have to travel up to Sydney and get a new teacher. Well, at the moment, money is a problem because new teachers cost money. But it's something that she's thinking about. Will she go on and get a teaching qualification? 
if she does, this will enable her to teach anybody. You know, she, she will have the confidence, the qualifications to teach singing, just like her own teacher does. Some new things to think about in the new year. I really love how we all work together, how Sophie is helping Imogen with her music videos, and how Imogen, in her turn, because she has music videos that need making, she is stretching Sophie's abilities. So there's lots going on around here at the moment. Everybody involved in what they are interested in. We're all gaining new skills, developing our talents, sharing them with other people. Before I leave the topic of talents, I have another couple of points that I was discussing with Imogen the other day. We were talking about how we are all born with a potential for a talent. She can sing. But that talent didn't come ready-made or ready to go. Yes, there were always signs that she is a good singer, but she has needed to put a lot of hard work into that talent to develop it. So some people say, well, you're talented and I'm not, which is not quite true. I think sometimes people don't see the work aspect, how some people are prepared to work very hard on things that they enjoy, things that are important to them, in order to develop their talents. I could be a singer if I really wanted to, not a singer like Imogen, but I'm just not prepared to put in the work. Other things are more important to me. So that people who do succeed at various things, they don't get there without hard work. People can't say, well, you were just lucky. Sometimes, of course, people do get breaks. But I was listening to someone the other day on another podcast, and they were saying that even people who get what are called lucky breaks or people who were in the right place at the right time, people who were discovered, they had to put in the work beforehand. A lot of little steps go into that one big step at the end. And of course, we all hope that we're going to get a big break, but we can't sit around waiting for it. Because if we do sit around waiting for it, it's never going to come. Because we won't be prepared. The only reason we're going to be prepared for that big step is by actually working at it step by step for a long period of time. And then, yes, the opportunity comes, we're ready. Which reminds me of a children's book that I used to read my older children years ago about Jerome the Juggler. He was with the circus. He had... Uh, a maintenance type job, I think. I can't quite remember, but it wasn't a very exciting job with the circus. He wasn't out there in the big top performing with the stars. But every day in his spare time, he practiced his juggling. And one day he got his opportunity. The juggler was sick and they all, all the circus performers looked around and said, what are we going to do? We don't have a juggler for tonight's performance. Who is going to juggle tonight? And Jerome steps up and says, I can juggle. I've been practicing. He got his big break. Yes, but without all the practice, all those hours and hours that he dedicated to juggling, he would never have gained the skills. His big moment would never have come. It's funny the lessons we can learn from children's books. That story has stayed with me for many, many years. I've been talking about talents and using the word we. We have to use our talents. 
And yes, I think it's important that parents use their talents as well. We were given talents. We have to share them. We have to develop them. It's a very important lesson for our children to be a good example. But it's also our responsibility. Just because we're parents and we have responsibilities to our children doesn't mean that we don't have to work on our talents. Of course, there are times when our talents have to take a back seat. Our children are always more important than anything else that we do. But there are odd moments in everybody's days, and even if there aren't, everything returns in time. There have been times in my life when I have thought that I will never do anything but look after the needs of my children, and I have yearned to do something creative. And always looking back, I thought that those times, the times when I had to do things for other people and couldn't think about myself, I thought those times would be never-ending. But they were relatively short. And now I have so much free time that it is a problem. I think, how am I going to use my time effectively? How am I going to use my talents for the benefit of other people, as well as to give myself joy and happiness? Well, I'll be pondering that over the holidays, getting out my Evernote notebooks, as I said, making a few plans. I think that I have come full circle. I'm back at the beginning of this podcast. So I'm going to leave that topic right there. But before I do, I invite you to think about your plans for next year. Are you living a balanced life? What would make your life run a little bit more smoothly? What would give you more joy? Perhaps you could get out a planner. Maybe make one in Evernote. Maybe share one of mine if I get to the stage where I have some available online. I would love to hear about your plans for next year. So if you'd like to make a comment about what I've been talking about today, please go over to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, and find this post, head down the bottom, leave me a few words in the comments. I'd love to chat to you about plans and balanced lives, Evernote, passions and interests, anything else that you would like to stop by and talk about. I have just one more thing I want to talk about today. It is a resource, and I haven't shared any of our resources for a while. And this resource, Gemma Rose and I enjoyed immensely, and that's why I want to talk about it today. It is a BBC TV series called The Big Painting Challenge. Besides running, Gemma Rose is very interested in art. She loves researching art history, watching all types of videos, documentaries, and she also likes to draw. Also recently, we have started a painting course together. We're working our way through one about colour, mixing colours. So when I found this series on YouTube, The Big Painting Challenge, I said to Gemma Rose, Hey Gemma Rose, how about we sit down and watch this together? Perhaps we can just watch the first episode, see what it's about and see whether you would like to watch the rest. Before I knew it, Gemma Rose was sitting next to me on the sofa, and we watched the first episode. It's one of these reality TV series. Ten amateur artists have various painting challenges. Every week there is a different challenge. They have to do two paintings every week on one topic, such as still life, 
portraits, animals, landscape. The ten contestants were divided into two groups of five, and each group had a mentor that gave suggestions, helped them with their paintings. Every week, one contestant was eliminated. There were three judges who looked at all the paintings and then decided which contestant wasn't going on to the next round. So there were six episodes in the series, and yes, the number of contestants dropped off each week until the sixth week, the grand final, where there were only four contestants left. We learnt a lot about art while watching this series. What is a still life? The history of still life. We picked up various facts about landscape artists, for example. How do we set out the face to make a portrait? How do we get movement into a painting? Every week there were featured paintings by famous artists. Lots of things to think about. Lots of things to enjoy. It wasn't just the contest that was enjoyable, but it was all the background information. After we watched an episode, I clipped the YouTube video into my Evernote notebook for the week, and also I went looking for the featured paintings, the ones by the famous artists. For example, there were some ballerinas by Degas. They were featured one week. I found copies of these paintings and copied them into the notebook as well. Added a few notes about the painter and the painting. And then I found a few articles about such things as perspective, still life, all the things that were spoken about during each of the episodes. So we got a lot of notes from watching this series. Six hours of the big painting challenge resulted in a lot of notes, which is good for my homeschool records, but it was also good for me and Gemma Rose because we captured a lot of interesting information that we went back and read, and that we will probably return to later on. I also found a blog that was keeping up with the series. After the blogger viewed one of the episodes, she then set out all that was within the episode. She added her own thoughts and feelings about each of the artists' work, added a few thoughts about the judges and their decisions, that type of thing. I also clipped all those blog posts into my Evernote notebook because I found those blog posts very, very interesting to see somebody else's take on the series. It also reminded us of the content of each episode. So that's one thing that you might enjoy watching with your children if they're interested in art. The big painting challenge. All the episodes can be found on YouTube. This is the second series of the big painting challenge. This is the one that we watched. I did a huge search for the first series, and only found two episodes. Apparently, the first series of the big painting challenge wasn't nearly so good as the second series. Maybe that's why nobody has uploaded it to YouTube. But after watching the big painting challenge, I once again was thinking about how reality and lifestyle and documentary type programs are wonderful learning resources. Things like grand designs. I've spoken about this TV series before. How people are building their grand design homes. While we're watching grand designs, we learn a lot of history and geography, a lot of life things. What's important in life? A lot of environmental 
issues come up in those programs as well. Eco-homes, the use of concrete. Then there's maths and design and architecture, creative arts. Grand Designs has proved to be a wonderful source of learning experiences for us. Another series we've watched recently is the one called War on Waste, the ABC Australian series. I wonder if you have any reality, lifestyle or documentary type programs that you enjoy watching with your children. I wonder if you make lots of notes after watching an episode. I wonder if you go looking for related information once you've seen an episode. Look for information to do with the things that are discussed within each episode. Yes, one episode of a series can lead along a long, long rabbit trail. Well, I think I've come to the end of this episode, episode 116. I'm recording this 13 days before Christmas. I hope to return next week with one more episode before Christmas, and then possibly I'll have a break while my husband is home on holiday. Yes, we'll be outside, hopefully if it's not too warm, enjoying some outdoors, enjoying some outings, going places, enjoying each other's company making the most of our time together, creating some joyful moments. So what have I got to say in my roundup? Please go over to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. Have a look at the show notes. Stop by and comment on anything in today's podcast or anything else. Just stop by and say hello if you'd like to. It's always lovely to meet people who are listening to my podcast. Sometimes it can feel like a one-way thing. I'm sitting here talking to you, imagining everybody out there, hoping that there are people listening to each episode every week. But I don't know you. If you would like to stop by and introduce yourself, I would love that. Now I have probably forgotten to say a lot of things to direct you over to a lot of places. But I can't think at the moment, so I'm going to say goodbye. I'm going to thank you for listening to this episode. And until next time, trust, respect, and love unconditionally.